Cause all the people I truly serve I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Buck Johnson from Counterflow Podcast. Buck and I get into the subject of secession, specifically Texas secession, and the Texas referendum that is at the state legislature as of now so we uh kind of go through what we think is possibilities black pills white pills all that good jazz and uh it was all in all a great conversation i think you will all enjoy it but first don't forget about my boy ryan bunting at ryanbunting.com for all your graphic design needs ryan bunting is the man for all of your graphic design needs at ryanbunting.com he's the one who designed my logo and the cover for my upcoming book so thank you ryan you are the man also thank tom burton for the music and always stay informed stay in touch with the libertarian institute at the libertarianinstitute.org Go to all of your favorite podcasters, rate and review. Five stars is what they all deserve, including myself. And if you would like to donate, go to paypal.me forward slash Tommy Salmons. You can donate as much or as little as you would like. The more the merrier, as they say. So, without further ado, enjoy the conversation I had with Buck Johnson. All right, man. I'm here with Buck Johnson. What's going on, buddy? Uh, I'm excited to be here. That's what's going on. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I was excited about this podcast. I've I've been thinking about chatting with you for, I don't know, eight, nine months now. I think the last time oh. I, when I first heard about you, I heard you on uh, Free Man Beyond the Wall. Oh, yeah. Okay. Shit. Yeah, that's been maybe a year or so. That, that was a nice little bump for me when that happened. So, No, I was saying Pete's a really good guy. Uh, he's uh, he's yeah. come on the... He was probably the, he was the second guest I ever had on the podcast. I met him on Twitter and uh, right after he had uh, started his podcast and I was like, Hey dude, I'm starting a podcast. You want to come on? He's like, yeah, why not? So him and Scott Horton were my first two interviews. Okay. Scott yeah, is uh, when I first started doing this, I was amazed at how open Scott was to doing interviews. It was always just like, you know, it's funny because when you text him, it's so short in comparison to when you speak with him and he, you know, uh, he likes to speak uh, a lot. And so he just write me, yes, sir. When, you know, and it's like, wow, I didn't expect that, you know, yeah, that quick of a response that being open to doing my show at the time, it was so small. Yeah. But Scott, I always told him he's got a punk rock ethic, meaning like I'm not above anyone else. I'll do whatever to help people out. It's very cool. Yeah. He's, he's, he's awesome. I, uh, the the first article I ever wrote for the Libertarian Institute is I heard he had he had put out a challenge that people should start libertarians should start writing articles attacking the left from the left and attacking the right from the right. So I yeah. uh, 
I, I come from the right. So I was like, well, let me give this a shot. You know? So I wrote an article um, on, on being anti-war from a right wing perspective. And I sent it to him. And I like five minutes later, I got an email back saying, here's my number. Call me. I love it. And I was just like, okay. So I call and I'm, I'm like looking at my wife. I'm like, Scott Horton just gave me his number, man. What the fuck? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but anyway, so I had you on here to uh, chat about um, Texas secession more, um, but secession in general. It's uh, I think it's a subject both of us are fairly interested in. Um, yes. I've been following the Texas national movement since 08, I guess, when, uh, when I first heard uh, Rick Perry threaten Obama with secession. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. hell yeah, it's on, bitch. So um, it's been one of those passions of mine that I'm like, yeah, we need to get out of this, this giant federal, you know, monolith that we're dealing with and i think bringing back federalism in one way or the other whether whether it's through secession or just through the the texas the texit legislation uh the referendum and showing that the federal government that there are enough people fed up with the way they are uh overriding and overruling um states is is i think is very important Yeah. And uh, can you hear me okay now? I can. Yes. Okay, cool. Sorry, cut for just a second. The fact, you know, I have not been following the Texas nationalist movement um, since, as long as you have. That was cool when you said since 08. I didn't know, uh, you know, I don't know a lot of people that have followed it that long, but I've, I've been a proponent of secession since uh, really when I started researching politics and getting into uh, political issues in the, in the mid nineties, I would say. But so, you know, if you've been following them since 08, I've been following just the general philosophy and an idea of this for a long time. The fact that it's so mainstream now here in Texas is, is mind blowing. I mean, it's a huge white pill for me. Um, I, I responded to an email, which was an RSVP for a meeting that the Texas nationalist movement was having just up the road from me in New Braunfels. And I must have sent, I had to have sent the RSVP within 30 minutes of getting the email and they were giving a meeting at the New Braunfels conservative club or something like that. And the next day I get a, a, some feedback from them and it said, we've already been, we're booked, we're, we're sold out. And I could not believe, I mean, granted it was during a COVID time. So maybe they were slightly, uh, they were allowed slightly less people than they typically would be in this vicinity. But for them to say, you know, I, I've always felt I've been in this kind of fringe movement where no one, everyone looks at me like I've got three heads if you discuss secession. And all of a sudden, at a mainstream venue in New Braunfels, Texas, a meeting to discuss secession, uh, text it as, as it were was sold out within 30 minutes. It's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Really. It's refreshing. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. That's a, yeah, really quick. I, uh, and see, I'm not even really familiar or aware of how popular the movement is in, in Texas. 
So I'm not sure what to think about the referendum. If it does actually make it to the ballot, I don't know. I have no, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to guess one way or the other, whether it passes or not. What I would like to see is enough of a percentage of voters voting for it, that it at least makes those in DC take a step back and say, okay, what the fuck is going on? You know, maybe, maybe the way that we're handling our business and the way that we are, you know, intruding on the, the rights of citizens in the, these states is, is too much. Because one thing I wish Texas would do is, is look at the way that states like California deal with immigration yes. and say, we can nullify, we have the power to nullify, you know, yep. or marijuana or, you know, uh, psilocybin mushrooms in Colorado, these yep. types of places are nullifying federal laws. And it's like, is, is, as much as the, the governor of Texas Abbott at the moment, but it's always the same story, no matter who the governor is, likes to go around and beat their chest and be like, we are Texas. You know, it's like hmm. y'all don't, they don't act that way. And it's really frustrating. Yeah, but it seems to me that with with the rising popularity of this and and now I, I do think it's helpful that Biden is in office with Kamala Harris, because I think you're seeing states like Florida lead the way. And that governor clearly has enough balls, it seems, to to fight federal intrusions and at least to try to uh provide the way forward for his state. You know, he defied the lockdowns. He he defied mask mandates. And so hopefully Abbott and maybe some of these other red state governors can, you know, politics is always, it's, it's, it's like football. You know, one coach starts doing this, this common play that fools everyone. Then, you know, it's a copycat league. Well, politics is a little bit like that as well. So I'm hoping Abbott takes a page out of the book of Governor DeSantis and grow some balls and fights things like over federal overreach, you know, even if it tends to benefit him at some points or, or another, at least start fighting this. And, and it, that would provide a soft secession, you know, nullification, this kind of thing. And I do think I'm going to be interested to see what happens with this vote. Like you said, I'm, I am not under the uh, thought that, if it does go to the ballot in November, that it's going to pass. I'm very curious to see uh, what the percentage would be. If it's, you know, upwards of 20 to 30%, I think would be a giant white pill for us. And that's, that's a lot. And because you have to look at the left, they do things incrementally. Well, it seems as of the last few years, they've, they've gone leaps and bounds, but up until that, they have the brilliant long game going for them. So if you look at something like, gay marriage, which I realize probably is not a thing at this point to someone like you or myself, but it was a thing in the 80s when it was first mentioned, and then in the 90s, and it got pushed back even from Democrats up until even 2008, Barack Obama's against it, uh, at least vocally. And so these little ideas that they throw out there, they just start to become normal. And before you know it, the culture's all on board with it. And so they, the left does that masterfully. They've done it for decades and decades. So if we can start getting something like secession, just an, an idea, the seeds planted in people's mind in this state alone, if not, you know, 
other red states or blue states, whatever it may be. But if the idea can get out there and be considered serious to where if it's on the ballot in November, that's a big deal. And so it just, I think it could get the ball rolling on a movement that, like I said, you and I have probably been researching for quite some time. And it always just seemed like uh, an extreme far off a shot that would never happen. But now it's, it does seem kind of mainstream, which is wonderful. Well, I, I think part of what made it so accessible, at least for the, uh, the majority of the public, was, you know, you, you were talking about the left and how they move incrementally. I think it was the left talking about secession that mm-hmm. kind of took, you know, that, that mire off of it to where, oh, well, you're a neo-Confederate if you're talking secession. And as soon yeah. when Trump was in and they were they started talking about secession. And then you had these movements like, um, what is it? Uh, Jefferson, the state of Jefferson and these ideas popping up, you know, Idaho, all these, Mm -hmm. all these counties are talking about breaking off of California and Oregon and trying to make the greater Idaho movement. And this, so it started becoming more accessible to people like you and I that have been like, yes, this is the only way forward in that a great divorce. I mean, I've always said it like this, if you're in a, like a horrible marriage and, and you're staying together, and I know this because I was in a horrible marriage and I stayed together for my children, you eventually come to, to the realization, oh shit, the fact, what you, your, your goal was to keep the marriage together for the sake of your children and it has made your children miserable. And at some point yes. you have to, to look at it and say, okay, just staying within this union for the sake of the union is just, it's, it's creating so many problems, so much division all across the country. Yeah. And, and it's typically been uh, the right side of the political aisle that kind of has this uh, infatuation and, and reverence for like the, the national anthem and these songs and the flags and the history and all of this. But it's like, well, the left is erasing all of that. So you want to stay together, your flags, your anthems, your, your statues, everything, that's going to be gone at some point. Now, it's not because you've seceded necessarily, but it's going to be replaced at some point. That's the march that they're leading, and that's the way things are going. I mean, there's just no way around that. So we could, let's ditch the idea that we're still you know, saluting 1876, 1776, excuse me, and all of this stuff. And start looking like, let's be the next, uh, what do you want to call it? I advertise for this band, excuse me, this brand called uh, domestic terrorism. And in, in their, one of their things as well, George Washington, the, you know, they were the original domestic terrorists. So why don't we jump on that train and let Texas be the first ones to form our own legacy and our own history and songs and anthems and, 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 and statues and whatnot, the rest of the stuff that we've been uh, taught in our history is going to be wiped out here at some point in the next few decades. That's just the way they're, they're moving. And so I want the right to, to start thinking about things like that. And like you said, the left bringing up secession throughout the Trump years was extremely helpful. They didn't realize that, but it really was. I saw uh, posts on Facebook from just blue-pilled generic lefties that I know in the, from the music scene. 
And one of them was straightforward. Look, Trump is the worst president we've ever had. It is time to secede. And of course, they're, they're saying like the, the red states should, should exit and the idiot Trump voters and the rednecks and blah, blah, blah. But the spirit was there for him. And I was so excited. It's one of these people I would never like their posts because they're so off the wall out, you know, out of, out of what I consider normal. But I liked that. And it's like, so when normal blue-pilled lefties are saying, we've got to break this country up uh, now, it was because of Trump supposedly being the worst person in the history of the country, but the, the seeds were then planted to where they're talking about it. And now after the election, we're talking about it here in Texas with Kyle Biederman uh, leading the way. And uh, it's just, it's, it's awesome. So thank you to the left and thank you for Trump, uh, to Trump for pissing them off so bad that they were talking about uh, blue state secession and making us not look like crazy uh, neo-Confederates for us talking about it. Yeah, well, and we can thank John Podesta too, because John Podesta was putting it out there, you know, that, hey, if Trump wins a, you know, re-election, we're going to, we need to start looking at California seceding. And it's like, this guy is, you know, he's the elite of the elite. He's right up there yep. with all these people, you know, so you know this thought is is traveling through those circles. And it's like, if y'all can, if you're going to normalize it, then what's going to stop us from, from utilizing it for our own benefit? Yeah. And, and I've heard Daniel Miller, the president of the Texas Nationalist Movement, he, I think the stat was something like, it was well over half of Republicans in Texas would, would like this to be on the ballot, well over half. But it was something like even like 35% of Democrats in the survey they were uh, holding. So that's, I mean, that's more than I thought. I thought it would have said like 5%, mm. but uh, so that's hopeful. That's definitely hopeful. And to imagine it being on the ballot, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be a realist and, but my nature is optimist. Uh, man, it would be amazing if that gets on the ballot. And I, and again, I don't necessarily think it would pass. I don't suspect that it would, but just to get it, that would be huge news. That would be huge news. And I think like you said, it might at least scare some of the people up in DC uh, to say that like, we are, we have our eyes on you. We're not just sitting here and taking everything you give us at this point. Yeah. Well, and it would also offer hope to other States. Um, there would be, there would be, like you said, like there's that, the football analogy you used to where you have a play that starts working. Other States would start looking at it. And so then, then you would have, these, con, you know, conglomerates of like, let's say I'm just throwing it out there, like Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas looking at, you know, creating their own little thing or whatever, yeah. because any person who's, who's done any studying on, on tribalism and the way that tribes work and the way that, that people interact can, will honestly assess the size of the United States and be like, there's no way, there's no way these people can live in harmony in any which way, which is what made, the system of governance, uh, you know, of, of federalism or anti-federalism, however you want to say it, so mm -hmm. so wonderful because there was that. Okay, we are our own thing. Alabama was Alabama; it was kind of its own thing. North Dakota was kind of its own thing. But with this this explosion of these cities like New York or L.A., and they're trying to push this straight de democratic, you know, vision for voting so that they can always remain in power. You're, you're actually, you're creating this divide 
in, and you're basically saying, if you live in North Dakota, you must live under the same rules that we in New York City live under. And it's like, if you've never been to North Dakota, you've never been in Montana and seen the fucking monsters on the side of the fucking road, man. If you've never seen a moose in person or a wolf in person, yeah, these motherfuckers need guns, lots of guns, because these things are massive and they're scary looking. Even in an 18 wheeler, these things will scare the shit out of you, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> that's that's one of my many uh, issues with with leftism in general is that it's it's a supremacist movement it's it's totalitarian in nature so by its very nature of course the people in california and new york want to make the people in north dakota and montana and alabama live by the same rules because their vision is a supremacist vision and, and they they will not stop until every i mean that's the goal is for everyone to live as they see fit and that's the issue and that's why i want to leave and and you see this all all of the time for instance when georgia had some kind of vote as did alabama a few years ago uh, i believe on late term abortion or or something along those lines it had to do with abortion and 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 when they saw it fit to get it or not get it well california the hollywood industry was threatening to never shoot a movie in one of those states if they if they changed their abortion laws and you see this and it's like you people do not give a shit about people in alabama or georgia until the politics go against what you want right that's when they decide to care about people in those states and so you can see example after example after example and and i've got a pitch uh, not that there's probably a lot from the left listening to your show in particular, but for people listening who, who do want to talk secession in a mainstream environment, look, if Texas secedes, Democrats will forever hold the presidency in the, United in the rest of the United States. So for all these lefties that are say that we're rednecks or crazy for wanting this, look, if we leave, you'll never have a Republican president again. Mm -hmm. and do all you want go for it uh the rest of america but we're gone so I, I do think that's an important uh something to bring up because if 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 texas if the electoral college loses texas then the republicans are done here's something i want to run a bounce off of you it was something i was thinking about um leading up to the podcast and i, I thought you might have uh something interesting to say about this and i think it goes right along with what we're talking about with the with the cities and the supremacy and all that there, the, the big debate uh, of the founders, at least one of the big debates between Jefferson and Hamilton mm -hmm. was Jefferson felt like the, the way to experience for people to experience Liberty was in an agrarian society. Right. Mm -hmm. And Hamilton had this industrialized vision, which basically led to what we have today. I mean, like Hamilton pretty much structured the, the world we see around us today. And um, so do you think that that Jefferson, because I'm kind of I was kind of thinking that maybe Jefferson saw the the potential problems with the large cities and the super industrialized society. And he realized that there needed to be the agrarian sections that were to remain freer and, and living on their own and not to end up with like a Bill Gates with two hundred forty two thousand acres of farmland and things of that nature do you do you have you uh wrestled with that idea Andy? 
I've not. That's a very fascinating point. I, I've th- I've thought of it in different terms. Obviously, the the Federalist versus Anti-Federalist uh, debate between them. That the 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 vision that they had, like you said, unfortunately, the Hamiltonian vision is apparently one. Um, but but yeah, I, that is an interesting thought. That if 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 he if he had realized that, then his foresight was incredible, given the time that they were in to envision anything like that back then is amazing. But I, I, I do think his, his propensity to, to push toward a decentralized country uh, was certainly better than the opposite because now we're living with the opposite and we're trying for, for the decentralized part of it. Well, that's what, I mean, I don't think anyone in our circles would argue unless, I mean, I, I get when you get to the, the uh, neo-reactionaries and the monarchist vision. But aside from that, who's going to argue that if we could be to ourselves statewide, that that's, that would not be a better way to be right now. Right. Well, and what kind of, what kind of like, I guess like the thing that triggers me is I'm, I'm working on an agorist life, right? I'm working on I mean, this morning I woke up at seven o'clock. I went to Home Depot and bought a shit ton of soil and I'm getting these garden beds all set up and planting all kinds of shit. And then I go and I lay down and I get ready to jump on the road at seven o'clock tonight. You know, so it's like this whole I'm working on situating myself and just the the ability to create my own food, to kind of separate myself in these ways that I feel like I'm more free. You know, I'm I'm creating more freedom for myself and. I'm wondering if he saw that, if he, cause you know, there was this potential, they, they all knew the potential of the evils of a central bank and how central banks could, could turn authoritarian. And Hamilton was insistent that it was necessary for defense. And, and they, you know, that was a huge issue. So I'm wondering how much of that he saw maybe seeing what London had become or, or what I, I haven't really looked at the, the history of London at that time. So I'm not even sure what kind of uh, authoritarianism or totalitarianism they may have been experiencing in the cities at that time. And if that was even a potentially something he saw as a problem. I mean, that's also part of what led to the civil war, the war between the States was a bit of an agrarian lifestyle uh, versus a semi-industrial lifestyle and, and the, you know, the tariffs that were taking advantage of the Southern states uh, and all of that, they were already getting basically screwed uh, for, for years before the, before the war even started. So, yeah, I mean, that theme certainly has been running for, for a long, long time. Yeah. Well, and it, it definitely could be, uh, uh, even if subconsciously could definitely be an issue that the left has and why they turn to such a supremacist model is because they see that in order to control the, you know, flyover country or whatever you want to call it, that in order to control those people, they have to take away their independence in in some way, shape or form. What better way to render a people impotent than to disarm them and control the food source? Yes. I, I, for a long time, I would hear arguments for the Second Amendment and, and pro-gun ownership, which of course I'm all for. And I would almost write it off as a little boomerish 
like, well, we need them for, you know, just to hold back the government. And I thought, well, we just need them because we're free humans and we don't, you know, we're allowed to do what we want. But I, I do think now if, if we were a nation without firearms, it would be far, far, far worse uh, in a direction we don't want to go than we are. I do think that's a major uh, stopping point. Like I was talking to my father, who's a bit of a boomer conservative Trump guy. And, you know, he, he saw the writing on the wall appear that Trump was going to lose. And then he's worried about uh, Georgia and losing the Senate. And, and, and he thought, you know, he told me the only thing, the red line in the sand here is that we all have guns and they're not going to take that away. That is where people my age, this is him talking, will fight back. And so I believe that is kind of the sentiment in this state for sure. I, I assume you would agree with that. Yeah, I, you know, I heard a there. I heard a left anarchist uh, say one time, and it, it's it's one of his best quotes, if if not the only quote that he's ever mumbled. That I was like, he has a kind of a fucking point there, and he said, if the only time that you're willing to rise up against the federal government is if they take your f- firearms, then they don't need to take your firearms. You're gonna let them run roughshod all over you. It's yeah. Well, that was been the sad part of 2020 is that uh, so many people, it's like, you know, I'm walking around going, what more could they tell you to do before you would say, hold on, this is kind of bullshit. You, you see someone now, even in this state full of, you would think more common sense people than to say the Bay area. Sorry, Thad. But even in this state, you see people with two masks on by themselves in their car. You must see it all the time being a, uh, on the road constantly. And, and I just think if they just told you to go around completely naked, except for a blindfold, I bet you now a lot of people would do it if they said it's for your own safety. Uh, before, you know, in 2019, I would have laughed at that idea. And I certainly would have laughed at the idea of uh, businesses willingly now requiring them under peer pressure, uh, masks that is, when the government lifts the mandate. Now you have Austin businesses just doing it so they don't come under fire from the vocal minority, I hope it is, of leftists. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, to your point about if, if all you're going to do is fight the government when they come for your guns, then you're probably screwed. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought that people I know would willingly sit on a couch for a year and watch Netflix and take a check that was maybe 35 to 45% as much as they were, excuse me, the percent of what they were already making. But like that giant drop off in income didn't, they didn't care. They'd rather sit home and get a UBI and watch Netflix and order food dropped off at their house. I saw a disappointingly large amount of people I knew in Austin that were all for that. And so, yeah, I would say one of the red pills uh, that I had in 2020 was it, look, you know, it's like the HL Mencken quote is very true. People, honestly, a lot of people are more worried about feeling this false sense of security rather than actual freedom and, and liberty. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and I think Tom Woods has done a great job of uh, discussing, you know, there's more to life than just surviving. Yes, that, to a lot know, of my friends, or well, my ex friends. Now, 2020 was a great breakup period. There, to a lot of those people, 
there isn't a lot more to life than that. That's what was so crazy to me. Yet to us, you know, my life, other than playing music, because I I used to play gigs on a fairly regular basis. Other than that, my life didn't change that much because I kept working. I kept doing the podcast. Uh, Once we were allowed to go eat at restaurants, I was still going to eat with my wife. I was, we flew out to California to see friends and uh, I still have friends over, you know, I've got a, a group of uh, Austin and caps that we, we hang out, you know, and shit, if this whole thing started in March of last year, I bet you by April or May, we had a big party. I remember texting my dad, Hey, I'm going to a friend's house. There's a party. He's like, what? I said, yeah, it's, it's anarchist, man. We don't give a shit about all of this stuff. So it's sad to see, and, and having done that this whole last year and a half, I do see friends that, I, and it hits me like, wait a second, that guy posting on Facebook, he's not really done much since March of 2020, if anything. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. So, and, and I would say if there's any, any reason to be discouraged about the Texas referendum, it is exactly what you're describing right now. It's- um, one of the things I, I told Pete, like the day it happened, it was the day after um, Abbott announced that he's lifting the mandates. And I'm out. I'm out. I was down in Laredo at the time, uh, dropping a load. And uh, I stop at a truck stop that I've been to before. And every truck stop through 2020 up until uh, Abbott man- uh, said he was lifting the mandates, they were just like, whatever wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I would just like, I would just walk around. Nobody would ever say anything. As soon as he announced that the mandate was being lifted, suddenly they're like, you got to wear a mask. And everybody's wearing, and you're like, the fuck is wrong with you people? (laughs) How is it just because the governor said something the next day, you're like, oh my God, oh, we're all going to die. He's trying to kill us, you know? And it's like, no, man, come on. It's no different than, than what you were dealing with just yesterday, the day before yesterday. It's all the same. And so that that mental break that, that we've seen, this addiction to the nanny state. And it's something I was, I was somewhat prepared for because my wife had lived in England for a while, right? And she had a lot of friends in England. One of the things she told me about her friends in England was that they would turn down like better jobs because they didn't want to get kicked off the government dole. So they would only work like part-time jobs just to stay under that income amount so they could continue getting that money from the government. So mentally, I was kind of prepared for it. But Mm -hmm. when you see that these people are redistributing all the wealth from the working class to the, the parrot, I call it the parasite class, the, the corporate class, and, and then giving you breadcrumbs, you know, based upon the money that you've paid or has been stolen from you through throughout your entire life. And and you're just okay with it. And I'm like, wait wait a second, how can you be okay with this? This isn't okay. And so when you would, when I would see people like Danny Presti fighting back, or, or some of these other business owners, the hairdresser up in Dallas yeah. fighting back. I was like, yeah. thank you. At least somebody cares. Yes. And, and <clears throat> I think, you, you know, you, you go through these days of black pill and white pill and everything w- with situations of this nature. I, I do think there's more of a, a, 
a freedom-loving underbelly here in this state, certainly more so than California, because I, I do still have a lot of friends out there. And like, for instance, the other day, uh, the Lockhart Bistro here in Lockhart, Texas, where I'm at, just straight up put on Facebook, we don't care if you wear a mask or not. And they they put a kind of funny Simpsons cartoon of a guy with his mask on. And then it says 15 feet later, and it shows him sitting in a booth. And it says, like, I just saved the world. And he's got his mask off. <laughs> and I thought immediately, I, I was so stoked to see it. I just like, proclaimed on it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And 99% of the comments under it were nice. We're saying, were people saying, thank God someone has common sense. And it said in the thing, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. We're not judging you, but you don't have to. And there was one person like, oh my God, I'm disappointed. I'm going to go elsewhere to which I think, yeah, go elsewhere. You've got 90% of the other places to go to. Let us go someplace that doesn't require it. Just don't go then. And uh, so I do see, you know, I, I kind of look at these posts on, on places like that. There's a coffee house in Georgetown that did the same thing. And while they are, those people are certainly brave at this point, which is sad to say it's, it takes bravery to be normal. Uh, there are more positive comments under those posts in social media than there are negative ones. And certainly the negative ones exist uh, but same with Abbott's uh, post. He yesterday, someone posted uh, Texas, uh, someone that works within government here, and it showed. Sure enough, the last two weeks since it happened, cases have gone down thirty three percent. Shocking. But all of the leftist loudmouths that I kept seeing on on social media were saying, "Wait two weeks, it's going to be the fourth wave," and all of this stuff. Well, they've not apologized or or claimed that they were wrong about that yet. And so even under Abbott's post, I saw positive comment after positive comment. You know, you did the occasional uh, crazy person with a mask on in their profile picture that's calling him a murderer. But um, so for the white pill part of this, I, I do think there's somewhat of a, a, a liberty loving underbelly in this state, even if you, they're Trumpers, whatever they may be, there's a lot of people that are sick of the masks, sick of the lockdowns and don't support it. And, you know, we get the, the stereotype of all of the Californians moving here, uh, which there, that is the case. Certainly the prices of housing in Austin right now, it's, it's incredibly crazy, but I, the ones I do know, maybe it's just cause they're, those are my friends, but they are the people that are leaving California because of governors like Newsom. And they just realized this state is screwed. We've got to go somewhere that at least values freedom somewhat uh, higher than they do in California. Okay. So I want to move into a white field perspective because we've talked about like some of how, some, how we kind of imagine the people to be, and maybe it's just because they're the most vocal. I mean, that's very possible. I hope you know, so. You, before I was involved in politics, you know, and, and started like doing my podcast and really paying attention on a regular basis, I still loved liberty. I still love the idea of liberty. And mm -hmm. if somebody were to tell me that this 2020 would happen back in 2006, I would have been like, that's some fucked up shit, man. You can't do that. That's dystopian, you know? Yeah. So, so what I'm, what I'm thinking is it's the people that are working that, that, that are kind of apolitical do have that, mm -hmm. that liberty mindset, or at least that instinct that pulls them to liberty. So there's, really a possibility. So if this referendum hits, let's just say, and it does pass. Oh, 
Now, do you do do you foresee the the state legislature pulling some shit like Britain did after Brexit and dragging it out? Because Kyle Biederman, after he he announced that he was going to bring this forward, he went on the Glenn Beck program and then he and he was like, well, I don't really mean we should leave. And it's like, well, what is it? It, it, Well, this is just leverage showing the federal government we have the option. No, dude, like if if we're going to go out there and we're going to vote on this and we're going to give our two cents and we tell you and decide we want to be our own thing. We want to do our own thing. We want you out and we want the federal government out of our lives completely. Then what? Right. So do you see this flood from like the free state project type deal from like New Hampshire and all these places? where all these libertarians have moved to looking for freedom? Do you think you see that coming into Texas? And do you think you the state legislature receives pressure to follow through on the referendum? Or how do you think that moves forward? That's a good question. So to answer the part about an influx of, of, of people, I definitely think that would happen. Uh, now they may wait to kind of see the other part of your question, what really happens with this. And I 100% suspect there will be some politicians uh, that will at least drag their feet, consider that we've got to figure out this court case and this precedent that's been set. Yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, I'm slightly optimistic about Biederman and because I have read a lot of his, uh, his stuff that he puts out, his content. I'm suspecting that when he goes on a nationally syndicated show like Glenn Beck's, that he's trying to present this. And again, if this is someone from the right using a leftist tactic to certain points of it, I'm all for it because the left is brilliant at this. I mean, they're very good at cloaking the real meaning of what they do in flowery language. Mm-hmm. And so if Kyle Biederman is going, well, I mean, this is just to get it on the ballot. And he doesn't want to sit out and go straight up, hey, this is for Texas to get the fuck out of the United States. I realized then that he could be playing politics and that maybe that's the wise way to go about this because it, it does sound a bit extreme to a normie, certainly someone in a different state uh, other than Texas to, to hear a guy that's, that's an actual representative of the people saying, we as a state, I want to see if we can just leave the union. That sounds a bit radical, not to you and I, but to a lot of normies at will. So if he wants to cloak it in that language and say, this is just a referendum on seeing where uh, the mindset of the voters are, I'm all for it. If Whatever helps us get there, I'm all for it. Yeah. And uh, yet, then if it does, you know, let's just hypothetically, if this does go through, then I can't imagine that there wouldn't be a ton of people from all across the country, if not the world, to some extent, moving here to to celebrate and live that the life that we that would be possible if we leave the United States. I mean, it's it's if that thing passes, I will be one drunk motherfucker that night, but <laughs> <laughs> celebrating. I mean, because I honestly I don't expect anything like to, that to happen yet. I, I look at the referendum. Even trying to get it on the ballot, these are slow steps, step by mm-hmm. step. And this is something I hope to see in my lifetime. Uh, but if it was to fast track and be quicker than I anticipate, then I would be elated, of course. And yes, 
I, I do suspect. I, I mean, I've talked to several people on online and on and Twitter and whatnot that follow me for the show, saying, you know, if you guys secede, I'm coming to Texas. So I and hopefully, then maybe we can lose some people too. Right. Right. Well, you know, and it, uh, I was thinking. Uh, I don't know. Did you see that article? about the, the guy had written that he had moved to Texas and then he lived here for like six months and he was like, it's a, it's a death cult. It's a conservative death cult. And he like wrote this whole article. It was Loved like, it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Bye. And, we and don't want you here. Exactly. Go. But, and here's what's crazy about him. He was in Austin <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like, you think that's a conservative death cult? You might mm-hmm. want to step outside the boundaries of the city limits of Austin, Texas. And boy, your head's going to explode. But yeah, that was that was classic, man. I mean, talk about a classic blue pilled lefty. He, <laughs> I mean, to be blindsided like that is like, and and he was bitching, and it's really hot here in the summer. Yeah, the, I mean, we all have the same technology. Did you not have the Weather Channel to just kind of check things out before you moved here? So I, I that was humorous, and and uh, I was happy to see that it was getting passed around as more of a a spoof almost than a, than something that was legitimate, but yeah, he wrote it in all seriousness. Yeah. It was funny. I was, I was cracking up. Yeah. When he's like, yeah, it's really fucking hot there. Yeah. Welcome to Texas, man. Like, yeah, yeah. you well, want me to tell you gone down where you're at in East Texas and yeah. see how he likes the humidity. Exactly. I remember my, my wife came, she's uh she's from South Africa. And so when she landed over here the first time she got, we walked out of the airport and she's like, Oh my God, what is that? Yeah. Like, what is on me? I was like, why is my shirt wet now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, this is fucking crazy because in, in Pretoria where she's from, it's real dry. Okay. So she was like, this is like worse than Durban. Durban's like a coastal city. It's like really humid. I mm-hmm. was like, that's, that's life here, man. You know, that so, it is. And she still, she still can't get used to it. When it, when it gets down to midsummer, she's like, Oh God, you know, and she's like, I want to go up North. And then it drops below 50 degrees here. She's like, why did I ever say I wanted to go up North? I don't want to go up North. You know, so yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's the type of person that would love the California weather. She just couldn't deal with the California people. Or yeah. Whatever. I mean, I would too. I, <laughs> the California weather is the best, yeah. but the, uh, the California government's among the worst. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. So when I, I look at this and again, like you, I'm hopeful. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. And I do want to see it hit the ballot. And I, uh, I called my state rep, uh, representative Phelan the other day, his office and left a message. I was like, you, I want you to get on board with this because we, at least if nothing else, we should have the right to say something about it. Like every, every Texan should have the right to, to speak up on this particular issue. And, um, so Phelan is my, the representative where I'm at and just across the highway, right over there, about, uh, about a thousand feet away from me. It's another representative and he did sign on to it. Oh, which, good. Which was good to see. Yes. Yeah. So the, you know, I mean, I'm four miles outside of a little town called Mauriceville population, 2000 people. So okay we're probably about as independent as any town in Texas as it is. Our, the way our city works around here is uh, everything's done off of um, barbecues and crawfish boils. That's how right. they earn their money. You know, everything's, you know, voluntarily involuntary around here, which is pretty cool. There's no city police or anything like that. We do have Orange County that runs around, but 
for the most part, we don't see many police around here because we don't have a city police. City Hall looks like it's permanently closed. I've never even seen a car parked in front of City Hall. You know, wow. I mean, yeah, it's a it's just ultimate small town America. <laughs> so I love it here. So when I come home, so that's what I'm really hoping to see is that type of independence really stand out. And people see like, oh, we have the opportunity to make Texas our own and make it our own thing and create our own kind of uh, nationality, which is fine with me to talk about that at the beginning stages of it. And then yeah. I'll, I'll completely abandon nationalism once again. But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and I've seen stuff within the Texas Libertarian Party where there's been proponents of, of this Texas. Yeah. And I've seen them fight against it in the Facebook group and whatnot. Like, oh, well, it's just going to be a bunch of conservatives. And it's like, hold on, dude, if you're a libertarian and you don't support decentralized government, I mean, uh, we have a government. So let's if you don't want it as small as possible, then what are you doing? And so to be worried about, well, then they might be uh, more like Rick Perry or something than than Gary Johnson. Well, yeah, but we can figure that out once we get there. It's like the classic minarchist versus anarchist argument. Let's figure that out once we get to minarchy. Then we can debate about what, what happens after that. So, yeah, it strikes me as wild when I do see the Texas. There's a lot of blue pill people in the Texas Libertarian Party. But I've seen some of those guys push back on this. Like, you don't want just Republicans running your state kind of thing. It's like, well... Maybe there's a better chance for a libertarian to get elected than in a small, uh, in a small venue like just one state. Right. Well, I mean, even look at like even on a city scale. I mean, are, who's who's running in the cities? Because I mean, look at like Glenn Jacobs, you know, in Tennessee. Right. You know, yeah. so I mean, it, it's one step at a time here, like you said, yeah. and and you got to progress through this, and we got to we got to take it into our mind. Okay, we gotta we have to really think about this. Uh, on a logical, from a logical point of view, if let's say Texas secedes and Texas is the ultimate red state, it's super Republican, which Texas has been pretty Republican for my entire life. And, you know, other than the war on drugs, it's really not that bad. That's probably right. the, the worst part of it. Uh, they, yep. they probably will implement some pretty strict immigration policies that I won't like, but okay. The federal government, the way the federal government deals with property and, and borders and things like that, isn't the way I want to deal with. Texas right. isn't going to be, I guarantee you, the Texas National Guard isn't going to be going overseas starting wars. Right. I can tell you that much. I at right. least know that much. We have a, a, a governor and Governor Abbott who every single year he gets our, um, he gets our property taxes reduced, which is a yeah. good thing. You know, I mean, he, he makes a point. I mean, he sounds like super libertarian when he talks about property. He's like the, the citizens of Texas are not renting their property from the government. And yeah. I'm like, yes, thank you. At least you're saying something I can like get on board with. You would never hear a Democrat say anything of that nature. Never. Now never. Like, you'll never hear the federal government tell, tell the people of the United States that their property is, is not rented from the federal government. They're never right. going to give that, that amount. So at least we have, uh, the potential of shrinking the size of government and the scope of government, the powers of government. And then what in Texas, how many people are there in the state of Texas? It's something like uh, uh, 30 million people, something like that. 20 to 30 million people in the state of Texas. So my voice 
is one out of 20 million instead yeah. of one out of 300 million. Yeah. Well, that means I have more of a say, you know, right. it may not be perfect. You know, I may not be completely autonomous, but I have more of a say. So you have to really break this down and say, okay, where are we moving? Where are we going with this? If you can decentralize the state from the massive gargantuan that is the United States federal government, then what's going to stop you from starting to, to decentralize cities from the state legislature? Because yes. Austin's not going to be right. happy with the state legislature. They're going to want different laws. Now, I'm not going to like their laws and their regulations, yeah. but they're going to want different things. So they're going to start fighting against the state legislature in this way. You know, and we've already kind of seen that with the mask mandates mm -hmm. and things like that. The mayor of Austin. And, and so yeah. you'll have more of a push to decentralize completely across the board, which is eventually going to lead you to a freer society in your locality. Because like you could go, you know, I've been called, I've been told, you know, I, I'm too easy on communists. But I always say if they're doing it voluntarily, I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't right. hurt me, you know, and that's 100%. what it boils down to. If out of the 2000 people in, in the town down the road, if I have like, if all I'm worried about is this local government and I'm not concerned with state government or, or county yeah. governments or anything, then I'm freer because I have more say in 2000 people than I do out of 20 million people. And people, yeah. they yeah. don't take that into consideration, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's was, I would see these comments from the libertarians and it's, they were, they were fighting decentralized government. And I thought, well, that's kind of why we're all here to get that decentralized down to the lowest level, which would be the individual, mm -hmm. but you got to start somewhere and let's start with Texit. And, and that's a good point you bring up how, you know, with the cities within the state are going to want to be run more independently and once we secede, if that's ever something that we can do, at that point, the state government's got to at least see like, okay, this was better off for us. Now maybe let Austin be Austin. That seems to be the trend that worked better for us leaving. Let Austin do their thing. Let Houston do their thing. With And, and it's, you know, all in all the state, uh, like, like you kind of insinuated as well, it's not a very heavy handed uh, Texas government, you know. Yeah. Like it, it was until he lifted the lockdowns, but once he did that, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, I don't feel like it's Gavin Newsom with his thumb down on everyone uh, here in Texas. It, it is a little bit more of a, like I said, an, uh, a free spirit mm -hmm. in this state than other states. So I think we do have that going for us as well. Well, and I think maybe the mandates were more, you noticed the mandates probably more than I did because you're in Austin, the Austin area. All right. Yeah. Because like, like even in like driving through Houston and, and Dallas, I mean, there was that one period early last year, I guess it was in April, March or April last year, they shut the borders down between Louisiana and Texas. Yeah. But that lasted like three weeks. Okay. And once that was lifted, all the, and, and it was, it was creepy at first, man, you would drive into Houston and I lived in Houston for years, like 20 some odd years and you would drive into Houston and there wasn't a car on the road. Yeah. It was just creepy, man. It was like, it was like something out of a zombie movie. You know, it's like, yeah. what the fuck's happening around here? But yeah. as soon as they, as soon as they stopped those border checkpoints on 20 and I 10, uh -huh. 
coming in from Louisiana, it was like, it, it was back business as usual. Uh, yeah. Traffic, traffic started picking back up and everything was open. I mean, I noticed there were some like in, like in the, in Fort Worth, I had issues finding a, a, a place to grab me a, a hamburger one time, you know, I was, it, I was stuck on this load and I didn't have a lot of time and I was trying to grab me a burger and I couldn't find anywhere where I could get a burger. But for the most part, I didn't really notice a whole lot, you know, businesses started running and everything started kind of going back to normal. It felt like probably about eight, nine months ago. And it was just like, and nothing ever. Yeah. It, it's weird for me in, in all actuality. And I guess, cause like, I'm like you, my, my life didn't stop at all. I was just going, 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 going. And it was weird for me to see these people throwing a fit about the mandates being lifted. And I'm like, nobody's following these fucking mandates anyway. Yeah. That's, that's, it's almost the left worships government so heavily, even people they don't like uh, at the head of it. It, it, it's almost like once the government said, you're okay to do what you want. Oh my God. Well, that's like God saying it. And they couldn't fathom that. Like, maybe there's like, I don't know, lots of segments of the population that don't necessarily think that way and might've been living their life despite what Abbott was saying. So it's, it's funny to see that disconnect. They don't even, they can't see it in front of their face. You know, like you said, Austin, I, I did live in Austin when this all first went down and for about a month, it looked like somewhat of a ghost town, which if you know the Austin traffic, that's, that's almost a miracle. Yeah. And about mm, April or May, uh, I drive around and it's like, boy, people keep posting and stuff that they don't want to leave their house and they don't want to do stuff, but a lot of traffic out here all of a sudden. <laughs> and so it's just funny how there can be organically just people just do as they want uh, and go about life. While the left is still like, well, the, the government didn't say we could do that yet. And they just sit there. It's amazing. Well, yeah. And, and that's, I, that is a, that is a mentality that will never, I can't say appeal to me, but it, it will never be anything. Uh, the, the, the mindset that I'll ever understand is waiting on somebody to tell you it's okay. You know, yes. my, my parents already raised me and I think they did yeah. a pretty decent job. I yeah. think they taught me to be discerning and kind of try to figure shit out on my own. Now I've yeah. made some fucking mistakes and I've had to learn things the hard way, but at the same time, I'm a grown man. And if I make a mistake, I gotta, I gotta fess up and I gotta take responsibility and I go on about my business. But so many people don't like that R word, man. Responsibility no. right. like makes them like cower down in a corner and cry like a little fucking baby. And it's like, how did you, how have you survived 40, 50 years? Like where, what, like where, where did you live? Where, yeah. Have you been in your parents' basement your entire life? Like what's going on here? Yeah. I, I kept after the Trump election in 2016, when all of this craziness reared its head uh, much worse than it had in decades, it seemed like I just looked around and it was like, what did Obama do to you people? Like what the <laughs> fuck is the matter with you? Like, you're screaming and you need safe zones at your college and you're crying. It's just an election. Of course, as a libertarian, I thought like I lose every election. My right. per I've, I've never had voted for someone that won anything. And, and I somehow didn't cry and I went about my life. It's amazing. But when that is your, your God, it, you have to have the right person in charge of it 
for your world to work as you see it should or something. It's bizarre. And yeah, it's, that's, uh, that's some, it's a mindset I will never understand. It makes me think of a, I was just, I don't know if you've listened to that James Lindsay podcast and I've, I just discovered it a couple of weeks ago and I'm absolutely addicted to that fucking podcast. And uh, it's I called, like him. Yeah. Yeah. It's called new discourses. Did you have you, did you hear the one he did on Antonio Gramsci? No, but I would love to, I love studying about that. Okay. Well, love- yeah. The interesting thing is like, you always hear attributed to Andrew Breitbart, the idea that, that culture is downstream of our politics yeah. is downstream of culture. Well, it seems like Gramsci came up with that idea back in like the early 1900s mm-hmm. and like, like his stu- his writing is what Mao was studying in developing the culture revolution because yeah. he knew if he developed this culture revolution and 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 shaped this culture a specific way, then that that culture would put him in power, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what we're living through now. It's kind of a second you know tier of that, and it's like. Wow, like all this, you know, the attacking of, of academia and the media that that all these these whether you want to call them communists or whatever the hell they actually are. I mean, I think it's collectivist totalitarianism is yeah. it, it ultimately I think it's some kind of combination of, of fascism, progressivism and communism all kind of, you know, push glom together. But it. The, 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 the work they've done in academia and the media over the last like 60 years has really began to show its head in society. And you will, you are definitely, if, if this referendum is allowed to hit the ballot, there are going to be some epic fucking meltdowns beyond which Donald Trump created. Yes, yes, there will be. And it's, it's, it's kind of brilliant for right now. It does seem to be flying under the radar, it, even with the press clippings from, uh, that it's getting. And it, it has been on the news. And it, like I said, it's kind of mainstream, especially uh, in relation to where it was just five years ago. But I have not seen a lot of lefty insanity fighting it yet. And maybe they just kind of roll their eyes at it and everything. But if it gets on the ballot, whew, we're going to see some. It's going to be yet another big moment in our history where the evil people unmask themselves and show exactly who they are because there's no more like, if that hits the ballot, there's no more incrementalism towards authoritarianism. It's going to be like, hold on, wait a second, and they're going to have to go to plan B. Unfortunately, a lot of times they're very good at, at plan B, but... uh we shall see. Yeah, that's a good point. It almost makes me, you know, I wanted to hit the ballot so bad already, but that's just another wonderful reason to to see the insanity that would erupt. Yeah. All right. We're, we're just over an hour. I just wanted to make one more point and then let you finish up and give all your plugs and we'll, we'll call it, okay. we'll call it a day. Um, I, I, I saw the Texas, Texas Tribune cover it, and this was right after it was announced. But the way that it seems to be covered from the left, and I know people say Texas Tribune, that can't be left. Trust me, that's fucking, that's as blue-pilled left as it gets in Texas. Um, the, the way it seems to be covered by the left is, well, 
the Supreme Court has ruled on this and they've determined it's illegal. So it can't happen. Hmm. And I'm yeah. saying, okay, do you realize what the Supreme Court is saying is that we authorize the federal government to use violence against any state that determines they want to be free of the United States? And that if that is voted on and it, and it is passed, you're going to get caught up in the middle of this bullshit too. So you ought to be paying a little bit more attention other than just kind of brushing it away going, no, nah, it can't happen. Okay, buddy. But if it does happen, you're going to be right in the middle of it along with everybody else. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I hadn't seen, I, I've seen individuals using that particular excuse of, as to why it won't happen, but I have not seen uh, from media yet. So that's, inter- excuse me, interesting to know that they were, that was their spin on it. And again, it's like, you need a better spin than that because if it were to be voted on and passed, we're looking at some more serious moves forward here than just someone going, wait, one time there was this court decision that said you can't do this. Like, we've just voted to leave. Like, what are you going to do? Well, we voted. We didn't give a shit what they said. That's yeah, what we exactly. <laughs> it, 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 it's like being in an abusive relationship and, and one person wants to leave and the guy goes, well, I've got a marriage certificate. It's like, who cares? I'm leaving, you know? So it's weird. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, uh, plug everything. All right. Plug away. Let's see. Counterflow with Buck Johnson is the podcast. You can uh, find that on any uh, podcast platform that I'm also, Oh, you know what? I need to plug the YouTube channel. I'm, I'm poor at doing that. And the guy that does all my video work said, would you please start plugging this? So I do have a YouTube channel. Also just search counterflow with Buck Johnson. You'll find it. Let's see. Oh, on Twitter at Buck rebel, B U C K R E B E L. And, uh, Oh, and there's a telegram room. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Telegram. It's an app for the phone. We've got a room on there, uh, also Counterflow with Buck Johnson, and it's really enjoyable. There's lots of good people, uh, listeners of my show, and there's people sharing articles and information, and it's a, it's a very uh, good place to go for conversation, discourse, and, and good uh, knowledge, articles, and whatnot. We talk about secession a lot in there, so if you're interested in this topic, uh, you will find it in that Telegram room, and that's about all the plugs I got. All right, man. Well, congratulations on your move to, uh, was it Renegade Media is what Thad called yeah, it? Yeah, the Renegade Media Network. Congratulations on that. That's awesome, man. I'm happy for you. Thank you. It's pretty cool. And I owe Thad a lot for that. He's a wonderful guy uh, off and on the air. He's awesome. Yeah, he's a, he's a, Thad's a great guy. And I, it's been a real pleasure. I'm going to stop the recording. All right. Took you to your grave Your pride is how they killed you With the flag you waved just like a fool They promised you a mountain Gifted you a stone They demanded that you throw it Into your neighbor's home And then seize all that they worked for And give it to the throne just like a tool Last we all 
angels stand in line and glorify new ways of being cool. Seems to me humanity is not something that they're teaching us in school. They dumbs down all around propaganda, their pollution. They set a cage up on the stage, a facade for a solution. They build a wall, block them all from this mental institution. It's insane. These crimes done in our names Seems to me authority and tyranny Are both one and the same Thank you.